0: All right, all right. Welcome back to the show. Today we got with us David Chen. David, welcome on today. Good to see you, brother.
1: Hey, my man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Today we're going to talk about, I mean, the most notable thing is Phase Clan. You guys are, you're one of the owners at Phase Clan, which people may not even know what that is, but eSports, they're like the king of the eSports world. They've got an IPO coming out soon now. 10 years in the big four. You're at Deloitte doing a lot of stuff in China. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I was one of the youngest managing partners in the world. I ran their whole China and Korea division for Mexico and Latin America. So about 80% of the companies from 05 to 15 I helped bring across uh, the Americas, and spoke in front of presidents and board members. It was pretty cool, man. It was an exciting time.
0: Managing part, partner of GTIF Capital, as well. You guys broadcast across 50 million monthly viewers in Asia and on iSun TV. Yeah, it's it's incredible, and I'm excited to have you on, David. It's going to be a fun conversation. We'll try to we'll try to bounce on a lot of things. But it's funny. I think America, I think, is a little behind on this wave, at least in the mainstream America. Um, on how big and massive eSports is. Can you give us some numbers on just the size and scale of what we're talking about here?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, gaming as a whole and everything else, I think the biggest problem is when you're around my age, um, you play video games, you were the first one to set up an Xbox tournament with your friends online, <laughs> and then what? And then if you're older, it was a waste of time. Like my parents told me, it was a big waste of time. So that's already the hardest thing. The second thing is, you know, who the heck wants to watch these kids play video games the same question is, why would you want to watch someone play golf or football or basketball, right? You want to learn, you enjoy its form of entertainment. So as your children are watching their phones for 80 hours, they're being influenced by FaZe Clan and these other big lifestyle brands. And now what is an athlete like a Bronny James or a Kyler Murray or Ben Simmons who are part of FaZe, it's cool. It's a lifestyle. It's, it is a new age going from there. And the gaming statistics are scary. Before the pandemic, they said was going to be a 3 billion-dollar industry in 2023. After the pandemic, this would be a $200 billion industry in 2023. So where else have you seen that goes $197 billion in an industry during a pandemic? The other other cool fact is 67% of the world plays video games. 67%. So now there's no longer a religion, there's no longer a race issue. You know, I'm a pretty good basketball player, but I meet someone who's six foot 10, I ain't that good of a basketball player anymore, right? Just the fact that we weren't given certain size and things in DNA, it was very difficult to play in competitive landscape. But in gaming, it doesn't matter if you're male, female, you know, whatever you believe in, as long as you're good, you're good. And then the other cool part is there's all these different titles. So that really kind of helps as well. And on the competitive world, just like anything else that you value, if it's on a quality evaluation, if it's not EBITDA at the bare minimum, it's the access to the viewers to shift and go from the brand. So when I joined in phase in 2017, what the numbers were 10 billion viewers and 350 million subscribers. Wow. 10 Jeez. billion views. And the craziest part about that wasn't even that. It was when I put them in a Super Bowl commercial with Gary Vee's team. We did a planner business commercial. that had A-Rod and Charlie Sheen. And our guy was in there for one second. He had more engagement than A-Rod and Charlie Sheen did combined. And planners peanuts sales went up. Hmm. That's power. That's real force, yeah. right? That's, that's real notoriety. And, you know, our people are from 34 and under. So that means the next 40 years we have clients. Yeah, yep. It's
0: the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) It really is incredible. Like I, so I, I lived in Asia for a while. We talked about that. I lived in Taiwan, and when I was there, um, League of Legends is huge in Taiwan. At least everyone loves playing League of Legends. And I was like, oh, this is nice, whatever. And I, I I'll, you have to correct my statistic. I was told that year I was there, they had their championship, World Championship game or match, whatever you want to call it, had the same amount of viewers as the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. That's the size. When people are listening, like this is not some cute little oh whatever game. Like this is this is legit. This is the real deal, and you are on the cutting edge of of all of this. So let's let's talk a little bit about Face Clan. So Face Clan is I think I, you said it great to me. You're like this this is the Lakers of esports. I mean, this is like the most pristine brand on the planet. And actually, really, I only know one esports team, and it's it's Face Clan because you guys have done such a great job of your team and marketing. You got Bronny James, all these people. So how do you get involved with FaZe Clan? I mean, do you just walk up one day and like say, I want to invest or like, like what's, how do you approach FaZe Clan to get in? Like what, how did you, how did you become an owner?
1: You know, what's really interesting is you talk about relationships in your podcast You talk about adding value and doing the right things, right? That is the pinnacle uh, of my beliefs. That is the pinnacle of doing the right things that matter. You know, that is why you have the Wall Street Rebel because what you believe in is what I believe in, which is doing the right things. And so I have a friend named Clinton Sparks who's one of the owners of Xset, but at that time he was um, he was in Faze Clan, and he's the guy who did Lady Gaga's Born This Way, produced it, really well-known, big, big DJ. We've been friends for 10 years at nightclubs and bars, and we stayed friends. And one day he goes, hey, I have this opportunity to join Faze, and he tells me the numbers, and I said, what's the minimum and the maximum? Let's go. And I just joined it. I didn't think twice about it, because KPIs are KPIs. Numbers are numbers. Numbers don't lie, right? There's fluff and there's valuations and there's foo-foo and there's potential, but if you have those years of stats and you can see the vision and overcome the, oh, this is video games, somebody's watching it. Somebody has to do it. So that's how I, I joined. And, you know, um, Did you invest it,
0: through your, just personally or through your, you, I know you have a venture capital fund. Did you do it through that or just personally? Um, I did,
1: a, well, I did through a, a very, very small fund that we put in to make that one work. Um, and then I put my money into it, obviously in the fund to make that happen. So okay. it was really, really interesting because of the things that they were doing. And, you know, I kind of stepped back, you know, I, see they're doing
0: everything that they're doing right. You know, I'm just a very happy investor. Talk me through your, you know, streaming platforms, viewership. I mean, that's the, the other side. And you, you we, when yeah. we sat down when you, you were out in Utah with us, we sat down and um, so for some people that don't know, David, you were here at the black card summit. It was awesome hanging out. It was fun to meet you there. We, you talked about the ecosystem that you guys have created around esports. You were like, We own, we don't, we not only own like the team, we also own like, imagine like you own the sports team, you own ESPN, you own all the broadcast networks, like it's all in one. And you've, I think, <laughs> have even taken it to the next level of like, I want to control this ecosystem. So walk me through. As far as the streaming platforms and your guys' you know, shows and channels of viewership, you know, how you got into that. Tell us the story. Actually, tell us the story behind that first. That'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. First off, this is not a pitch, but if you get a chance to go to this Black Card Summit, it is the most amazing summit I've been to. I've met many, many people. Bridger and your team have done an amazing job. I can't wait to go to the next one. I highly recommend it. This is me telling you as a friend. That's it. Well, I'm not getting paid. This is absolutely amazing. He Bridger knows what he's doing. The second thing is... You know, when I got into the esports space after seeing it, I had a big problem with what was going on in the collegiate scene. Mm-hmm. There's no path to pro. And unless you can actually go pro and prove to mom and dad that you're going to make six, seven, eight figures, they're going to tell you to leave you alone. Now, most parents are not going to let you leave the world of college to go become a professional gamer, right? And there's a lot of you, but there's for the most part, it's going to be hard. So I recognize the necessity of college because... We have a responsibility to make sure that we're teaching them the right things, that they're not just gaming, but they can learn other things like coding and content creating and public relations. And there's this whole ecosystem and industry that exists, like any industry, that you will need that specialty markets out of there, number one. Number two, when I saw that, I said, well, how do we do this? So I was speaking at a bunch of universities. I worked with four or five different university students that helped me co-found the NACL. And we first started off as a private nonprofit collegiate league and that was our idea. It was just to get sponsors, to give scholarships, to help kids fulfill their dreams. Our very first online tournament was League of Legends, and we had a guy sign with Drake's 100 Thieves. I mean, cool. we take people pro. We started doing combines, started doing high school. <laughs> it matters. And people are like, why well, don't understand esports? Take out your take out the word NBA and throw in the word esports, exactly what we do in a league. Take out the word NFL, throw in the esports, what we do in the league. So we started developing that, and we started the need in Latin America.
0: And And how much, just real, let me cut you off. How much are these pros making? Like, just so people that are still new to this, like you're saying, oh, I'm going to be a pro. Like, what does that mean as far as salary or income look like?
1: Well, let's talk about this, right? And the Fortnite World Championships that happened that sold out in record time, record time in New York, let's let's say that part. Number two, the same year Tiger Woods had won the Masters. Tiger pulled in 2.3. Booga pulled in $3 million. Hmm.
0: Simple
1: as that. In the big tournaments, they make more than Tiger Woods made in the Masters. Think about what I just said. Yeah. And he's 16. Unbelievable. Now you got pros that make money off of off, off of rosters, depending on what they're trying to do. The endorsement deals, the brand deals. It's no different than an NFL player or an NBA player.
0: That is, that's incredible. I cut you off earlier. So you guys are running combines, trying to find and source the best talent for different teams. Now, do you guys get a... a, a uh, I don't know a brand deal with them or some kind of split whenever they sign do they pay to be in a combine how do you how are you guys compensated for that or you just do it as a service to just build more credibility we do it as a service
1: uh, to do it as credibility we bring in universities that are going to give scholarships from high school to that level we do it with pro teams wait, around wait universities
0: are giving scholarships or you guys are giving scholarships
1: there's over 180 universities right now that give scholarships for esports.
0: serious Oh yeah,
1: man! This is big, bro. This is
0: big. Wow! And they Arkansas play on the college team. team, then?
1: Yeah, to play an NCAA college team—that's no different me? than those guys out there who are, who play polo and they play lacrosse, right? But esports has a bigger viewership.
0: Serious? Right? Wow! So how would you know? Let's say some. I, this is a question for me. Someone like me or me that's interested in getting in as an investor in the esports world, right? Like I just I wanna play some I believe in the industry taking off or maybe I want to buy into a team. What does that look like from an investor in today, 2021? I know it's it's you know, you heard about Drake buying a team a couple of years ago and other people like you getting in earlier. As of today, what does it look like?
1: Look, it's this this is this is very funny. This is very similar crypto, right? I should have bought in the dip. I should have bought when it was six hundred. Oh, it's gonna go down. I should have bought when it was ten thousand. I should have it's the same thing. I should have You don't need to do the should-up. What you need to understand is when it comes to investments, numbers are still numbers. That's simple. Demographics are demographics. KPIs are KPIs. It does not matter what industry it is. Numbers are still numbers. Number two, who's going to be behind the actual investment, right? That's something that you and I obviously know is extremely important. Can you trust them? Do they have a track record? Do they have a vision? Do they understand it? That matters as well. So those two things are pivotal to me, but the time is now. And to look at, there are plenty of companies that are trying to position themselves in certain areas. We've been very, very fortunate enough because we are going to start another esports fund. This time, you know, we're buying leagues, we're buying teams, we're buying uh, apps, we're buying a a little bit of everything to be part of the metaverse and to be part of this up-and-coming universe that exists and deal with content creators. So, you know, we're doing that as well. But you can look it up and go from there. There's some great buys out there and some great people that are running it. And if, as long as that makes sense, then in the numbers you like, then you should look into it.
0: So let me ask you this. In just eSports in general, you have, now this is the difference between, a little bit of difference between real sports is you have evolving games, games that change, that will change rules, that will favor different players, new games that get launched, right? And so then you have a whole group goes there. So I'm, I guess that's a couple different questions. Number one, with the evolution of games, how does that work? Is it, walk me through that, the evolution of games, then we'll talk secondly about new games created and how you guys have to keep up and keep on the, like, the cutting edge of new games. What's
1: amazing about what you said also shows me how much foresight you have with things. And I love that because we had this conversation. Ted Hirsch, the owner of the Rangers, once told us at a meeting, he said, if the Rangers themselves as a baseball team exist." And if baseball died, what would happen to the Rangers brand? Kaput. Right? Slower viewership, less and less, teams are getting smaller, it goes kaput. But if the if the Rangers decide to do baseball and they had the Rangers basketball brand and the Rangers hockey brand and the Rangers, you know, soccer brand, what happens to Rangers then? Well, they have four different industries within the ecosystem of sports to maintain the name and process. Esports is different. Now you replace the word baseball and it's, MLB The Show. Basketball is NBA 2K. Football is Madden. Call of Duty, Fortnite. If the game stinks, the brand still exists, they just switch games.
0: Hmm. Really cool. You see
1: what I just said? They switch games. So you're hedging your bet at a much more safer rate because if I'm in a variety of games, then I have the opportunity to do a variety of different demographics. That's like me sitting there and saying, I want to, I have this big company and within there I have a show that's in Netflix and Hulu and NBC and go from there, you're diversifying. That's the big difference. And then you can do specific games in specific countries that might be more popular in one country than another country. That's where it gets super unique. So that's the diversity spe- spectrum of it and that's how you can maintain your brand. So if a game title does not exist, but the publisher decides to make a league out of it, we make our adjustments and go from there, right? That's what all these gaming companies are very smart in doing. And they're they're working together with their communities to make that work. So that makes me super happy. And again, it hedges your bet and things
0: that you're doing. The growth potential is is infinite at that point. Like, you know, the Rangers baseball team, it can only grow as big as baseball. You guys can grow pretty much as big as the gaming industry, which jumped to 200 billion this year.
1: Right, which is why... I'm so bullish on this metaverse and want and starting a fun because now you can see the correlations. Mm, yeah. It is a yeah. constant demographic of existence that exists. And that's where it makes it very, very special because it is such a different universe and everyone keeps evolving in that direction. Right. So you can plug in game, you can't plug and go ice skate if you don't have hockey skates. Mm. Right? There's fundamental cost difference. So that's what I think is so cool about it. And then from there you goes content creation and viewership and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and clothing. But You know, it it is super exciting. That's why you have all these big names. Robert Kraft owns a team. Mark Cuban owns a team. Michael Jordan, Shaq, because they know one thing, which is ability to hit viewers, and that's what they're doing in the gaming world. Man, it's crazy.
0: Huh? That's cool. I, I don't. I think there's probably some parents watching this right now. Like, did he just like he like he just kind of convinced me that video games are good for my kids? Like, I should let my kids game and have fun and just do it. And what what do you say to like a parent that's you know, no, little Jimmy shouldn't game. He needs to be out, you know, do other things. It's going to ruin his brain. It's going to be X, Y, and Z. What do you say to that? At, you, know, when to uh, you, guys.
1: you know, when most kids play sports or after school programs, it's after school. And then what ends up happening is they go to dinner. And then on a Friday night or a Saturday night, they go out from nine to three. And most of us who are young, we don't do things that are very smart from nine to three. Let's just be very honest. None of us do. And your kids will equally not do things that smart from nine to three. So they'll be running around. Or do you want your kids sitting at home, talking to their friends, playing video games from nine to three and not getting in trouble? Which one would you prefer as a parent? Number two, statistically speaking, gaming has reduced suicide rates among teens. We did an event with AC Green and his his foundation. I saw on his board as well. Former Laker, right? Big, big, big man out there. The amount of kids that made testimonials that, that said that they felt included. They're not just talking about video games, they're talking about life. They're talking to their friends. They're doing it in their own way in their insert where they feel safe and comfortable and not judged. And you want to throw them out on the street with the wolves? That doesn't make any sense. Now, that's the difference. Now, you're like, oh, they're all day going from there. Your kid knows more about what's coming in the future than you can ever imagine. Just because you don't know it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or people don't know it, right? That's what we say about crypto and everything else. So that's what it comes down to. What do you want your kids to be doing on Friday night?
0: David, I know you've kept you long on here and I, I, I think it's been fun to chat. Um, I'll leave, uh, I like to do this with guests. I'm gonna leave the mic open for two minutes. Actually, real quick, plug what we're gonna do. I want you to plug how people can find you, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm gonna leave the mic open for two minutes. You get to say whatever you want. We can talk religions, politics, gaming, like business, whatever you want, just whatever final message you have for our audience. Um, we'll do that. So first off, how do people find you? What's the best way to, you know, to listen to your show and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely.
1: Yep, uh, you know, Panonomics is on Apple and Spotify. You can go check it out. There's some really amazing guests. I want to get Bridger on mine as well. But you have top notch people like, uh, uh, Erlacher and the, the, the editor in chief of Entrepreneur Magazine and Cadmore winning Director, Domi Shi. But you'll learn that everyone has the same principles, which is they're nice, they're humble, they want to help people, and they do the right thing. It was never the path they thought. So that's really cool because these are friends of mine. It's commonalities. So you check that out. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, Twitter at David Chen Panda, uh, branding is, is a key, that's why I use the word Panda, and uh, that works as well, so next time you see a Panda Express, you'll probably think about me at this point, which has been great, and then, you know, the thing I want to say is this, and it's a little bit off of, of probably what we're talking about, but I know the type of man you are, and, and I respect you so much, and so, you know, I want to leave with this, you know, change is scary, and change is not fun, and, and, and it's hard to make change, and, you know, if you look at statistically proving, the hardest thing to do is change. It's not the actual item. It's the fact that you mentally have to make that change and adapt that change. In fact, 70% of people don't ever do anything because they're afraid of change. I'm afraid too, right? Bridger might be afraid too. We all want to succeed and we all want to do the best that we can because ultimately if it was all up to us, we'd be happy, healthy, rich, and the world would be a better place. Mm -hmm. But the world is what the world is, so we have to do what we have to do. So you have to make that change. And I tell two things that are important. One thing I tell people is if you never start, People will sit there and say you never did anything and that you regret the rest of your life. When you start, everybody has advice and tell you how to do it. Even the guy, the gardener, nothing doesn't matter, but they all have advice to tell you how to do it. And now you're trying to figure it out. When you get to the top, now they say you've changed. You're not the same person anymore. Nobody, you're not, you've changed so much. And when you retire, you're a has-been. So if I don't win when I start, and I don't win when I'm doing it, and I don't win when I'm on top, and I don't want to retire, then the simple answer is I don't care what you think I'm gonna do it for me because I deserve to win and I deserve to break the cycles of my previous generations to make the world a better place. It's simple as that. And with that, I leave it with this. You survived 100%. Now think about what I just said. You survived 100% of your worst days. Every time your heart was broken and you didn't think you could move on, you're still here right now listening to this podcast. Probably on a $1,000 phone and a $2,000 computer and some cushiony place. You are so beyond blessed. Be appreciative of it. Every time you failed, you came back. You won. You beat the odds over and over again. And every time you didn't think you could go, you did. You have survived 100% of your worst days. And that is why you will be okay with whatever you're doing. And those are my final words, my friend.
0: David Chun Panda, everybody, thank you. That was thank boom, baby. Oh, a little authority on that too. I love it. Panda Economics. Go check him out on on probably every platform you can find him. David Chun on Instagram. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. It was a for cool. having Bless me.
1: Blessed. I really appreciate it.
0: Okay. See you guys next time. Here I have four free and simple ways I can further help you to scale your business or fund. Number one, I have a YouTube channel with, actually, I don't, to toot my own horn, I think it's decent content on there. Go check it out. Bridger Pennington is a YouTube channel. We go very deep on funds. Number two, I have a one hour free training at investmentfundsecrets.com. We go very deep into how to actually start and scale your very own fund from ground zero. Number three, you can join our free, private Facebook group of like-minded people like me and you that go out and launch the scale of funds. I go live in there once a week. The name of the group is Investment Fund Secrets. And then number four, finally, I have a free PDF guide on how to actually launch and scale your fund. If you go to investmentfundsecrets.com slash guide, you can download that guide. Now, finally, people always ask me, Bridger, can you help me one-on-one, can we work together? Yes, I don't wanna talk about that in here, but if you wanna learn more, message me, bridger at investmentfundsecrets.com or just DM me on Instagram. Thank you guys, and I'll see you in the next episode.